so how do you begin <laughs> what do I say all of the above something yes all of the above something this uh this episode of all of the above features Hannah and I this is Trevor speaking we are over zoom we are doing an episode about a, a really helpful article that I came across not that long ago and invited Hannah and some of our other staff to read and thought it would be a worthwhile article to, to discuss. Uh, I did want to mention our um, our sponsor. We have a sponsor. Yes, of course. So Confidence, uh, Confidence Coffee Supply is produced by a good friend of TCGS, a guy named Alex Cook, whose family has just relocated to Mexico where they are coming alongside local farmers and developers and producers of coffee to make good stuff. Uh, They're producing this podcast. They send us the coffee. We drink it regularly at the office. It is a quality product. We would encourage you, if you like coffee, give it a try. Um, It scratches multiple itches. It it helps you with your caffeine fix, and it also goes to support a brother who's doing good work in the mission field and goes to support those farmers. Uh, So what better cause could there be, Hannah? And confidence coffee supply. Love it so much. <laughs> the so confidence. This, heck yeah. Have confidence in confidence. confidence. Why is it so hard to say confident? I'm having a hard time saying confidence. Am I saying it right? Confidence? Confidence. Yes. Okay. It's confidence. one of those words that you like, you say a lot or you like read it a lot and then you forget. You it just, just forget that it's a sounding word. foreign. Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerability is one of those words for me. Vulnerability. Yeah. It's like, that Um, should not be an English word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have an embarrassing memory, and I'm going to look around to make sure Emily's not standing. When when Emily and I first started dating, I was was using the word manifest or manifestation for something, and I was saying manifestation. It was like adding (laughs) multiple S's, and... um, it was like, I, I knew I was saying it and, I, and I, it, was, it wasn't coming out right. And I knew it. And again, this was early on in our relationship. So I'm trying to like, you know, impress her. Right. And uh, she, she totally called me out on like, I'm sorry. It's, it's manifestation. I don't, I don't know why you're saying it's so weird. So. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, yeah. The very few opportunities I have to correct Reagan in those types of circumstance, circumstances I relish you know because he's an English teacher and so most of the time his grammar or his English is usually on point right but those times I can find him I I am quick to catch him (laughs) I love it relishing it yes so um so this article is called keeping the faith it was written by Christian Smith he is a sociologist who has studied um or been a uh, professor at Notre Dame for some time. Um, A a lot of what he has specialized in is just um, uh, family dynamics in the faith. And uh, he he wrote this piece for First Things Magazine, which is a, um, it's an online journal that I routinely find to be helpful and insightful. There's always lots of good stuff there. Anyway, I I think I saw this maybe last summer and thought it was, I I, I book-eared it, uh, book-eared it, dog-eared it, bookmarked it. Yeah. Um, manifest manifestation. We'll add it to your tally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. I, I made note of it because I thought it would be uh, worth discussing. Um, it, because ultimately, the article is about those factors that they see in multi generational faiths. So when a when a parent has a faith 
and a child grows up with the same faith as, as those parents, they've, they've observed some trends. And so this is about those trends that they have seen. And, and for me, as a, as a parent of three, I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old after recording this podcast. You know, and we're, we are um, investing our lives and our faith into them. You know, we, we want to see them believe. We want to see them follow after Jesus and be members of TCGS one day. Um, you know, this is, we, we want to raise them and nurture and admonition of the Lord. So this, this article was, was very intriguing for me. And knowing that we have a lot of parents at TCGS. Uh, who who feel the same way? You know, this this article was was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, in looking at this, I mean, are there any dangers in articles like this? Like, are, are there any ways that we might, I don't know, lean too hard into this or overdo it? Um, looking at an article that is observing these trends, does it make sense? Uh, oh yeah, I think when you're really looking at anything. Um... I mean, quite frankly, even with the Bible, honestly, I was about to say outside of the Bible, but even the Bible itself includes um, things about parenting that seem like promises. Oh, if I do this, then this outcome will happen. Um, But if we read these articles in the Bible included any type of resource that we're hoping to get direction from, um, we have to come at it with wisdom, knowing that like, um, these are things that God wants us to do and raising our children well, teaching them the word, dis- disciplining them, discipling them, but it's never guaranteed. Um, and with the surplus of resources that are out there and with our tendency to want to read all the how-to self-care things, it's always important to come at it with a little gut check of these are helpful tools to add to my tool belt. But um, nothing, especially when it comes to parenting, nothing is guaranteed. It is completely and totally in the Lord's hands. We're just called to be obedient to what he's asked us to do. That's good. Yeah. And in this article in particular, I mean, he's identifying these four threads, we'll say, uh, that are consistent across these families who have, you know, multi-generational faith. And it would be it would be really tempting to read it as if you do these four things, you guarantee that your children will embrace you know your faith. But but as you just said, even with scripture, that's a really good point. That there there is no guarantee. There is no golden uh, formula, no magic bullet, anything like that. So um, that's a that's a helpful warning for us as we sort of venture into this. Now, could you provide us a bit of a thirty thousand foot view of this article? Like, what what is it that what is it that he says and what are those four threads that he identifies? Yeah. So um, I love this article because I love that it's not just like distinctly Christian perspective. You know, he's talking about, he mentions multiple religions in the article, which is always just fascinating to see just how even trends outside of the Christian faith work. So anyway. And, and um, yeah, well, that, well, that's a good point too, because just to reiterate, I mean, he is coming at this and he even makes this point in the article. He's coming at this very much from a sociological perspective right. and not a theological perspective. He's, right. you know, again, just kind of observing some commonalities across people's cultures, even, even faiths. So, Which sorry, is sorry. both encouraging and challenging. Cause it's like, okay, if we're not faithful and disciplining our kids in the ways of the Lord, 
or discipling them, excuse me, we are discipling them in something. And knowing that that whatever we're showing our kids or teaching our kids as parents, and this is something he gets at, like parents are um, the greatest influence on their kids' religious outcome, mainly because of just time. We just have more time with our kids and influence with our kids. Um, seeing us in our home, they observe us, we observe them. It's just a very unique influential relationship that happens um but recognizing that we're influencing them in something (laughs) and we Mm -hmm. want to be um we want to be faithful to be intentional um from the christian perspective to obviously train them in in the word and the ways of the lord and so he is um he brings about i think um you mentioned four and one of them is kind of like a overarching, we want to believe and practice our own religion genuinely and faithfully. Um, and so basically just getting at the fact that like kids are not fooled by performance. Kids are recognized if you're just talking the talk, but not walking the walk because they have so much time with you. Um, they can see if what you're living is matching what you're talking. And so the ways that he, um, mentions to practically walk what you're talking. Um, One is parenting style. So he mentions that authoritative parenting style um, tends to be the most helpful in creating an environment where your kids both understand clear expectations, um, but also they are receiving that abundance of warmth and care and um, love that we want to model our kids. We can go back and like go through each of these totally, more totally. in detail. Um, the second one is routine talking about religion. So um, just kind of reminds me of that verse, like as you sit, as you walk, as you go, you know, making what you believe, what you're trying to teach, not just a thing you do on Sundays, but something you implement throughout uh, throughout the week. Third is um, channeling for internalization. It's another one of those tricky words, internalization. Um, And that is just like giving them opportunities to connect with other people who believe um, the same things, who live the lives that you want them to model off of making connections outside of just your home um, to people who can also be influential and and raising them up in this belief. Um, and then he even says that at the end, nothing about this process is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are like the three, I think the big thing is genuinely and faithfully practicing what you believe through your parenting style, routine talking about your religion and finding those opportunities to channel is what he calls it. Hmm. What did you think about his... Um the uh the baseline point at the beginning that the overwhelming influence on a child's spiritual formation is the parent was that surprising maybe not surprising is that what you would would have expected him to conclude what do you what did you think about that um i think i mean whenever i hear that it's one of those like oh boy (laughs) kind of you know it's like every every mind here because it's like something we we should know you know we should understand um, especially if we have familiarized ourselves 
with how scripture regards parenting um, and our role in our kids' lives. Um, so, but anytime we get this reminder, it's like, oof, okay, yeah, I feel that weight, that responsibility mm. um, that I know God has given me. Um, at the same time, and he makes this point in the channeling section, it's like the Lord has very clearly put the majority of that responsibility on parents. However, he also didn't call us to do it alone. And mm. so that's where like the local church and having other people like on your team um, to be a part of that, knowing that you're not going to be perfect, knowing that you are going to have weaknesses. Um, it's one of the things I'm super thankful that my parents did is they put me in places where I could connect with other adults who could kind of fill in the gaps and mm -hmm. um, maybe provide some unique leadership, teaching perspective that my parents couldn't, you know, just because yeah. we can't be all, all things perfectly, but it's definitely one of those like, oof, that's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the hook for this. <laughs> I'm going to answer for what I do. <laughs> Uh, something I love is uh, I'm just going to read directly from the article. He says, you know, kind of initially asking the question, you know, who, who carries the most weight when it comes to the religious formation of a child? He says the good news is that among all possible influences, parents exert far and away the greatest influence on their child's religious outcomes. Stated differently, the bad news is that nearly all human responsibility for the religious trajectories of children's lives fall on their parents' shoulders. The empirical evidence is clear. So it's like, all right, the good news is if if for no other reason than just the sheer like amount of time we spend with our kids, we are we are far and away the the most extensive influence. <laughs> but kind of the the other side of that same coin is nearly all human responsibility for the religious trajectory of our kids falls on our shoulders. So it's kind of a yeah, I guess like any responsibility, it's like it's a joy and privilege, but also it's waiting, you know, you feel that. Um, well, and especially like you hear comments like, oh, kids these days or this generation. It's like, well, <laughs> somebody's on the hook for that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you read stuff like this and it's like, okay, I can, like in my flesh, I just want to go hide because the weight of that just seems kind of overwhelming. Mm. Or it's like, you know what? Like, I know this is something the Lord has called me to. Mm. And so he's going to equip me and empower me by the Holy spirit. So we can either go run and hide and just pray and hope that everything turns out. Okay. Which he shows like in this article, that is probably not going to just turn out that way. Mm. It takes um, intentionality or we can read stuff like this and like, okay, this makes me want to roll up my sleeves and continue being faithful and to not grow weary because I know that my child's soul is at stake and that's mm. worth the work, you know? Mm. Mm, that's right. On. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. So in, a, in a, with that baseline observation in place, I and mean, it makes sense. The very first thing he says is like the, the most important, you know, um, trend or thread or whatever they identified was to be authentically Christian, like as a parent, to like practice it yourself and to show that it matters to you. So, you know, we talk about grace and we talk about repentance and we talk about forgiveness and we talk about kindness and mercy. And it's like, Let's practice all of those things. Let's let's demonstrate in our interactions with our spouses and in our interactions with um, our parents, our siblings, you know, our kids, aunt and uncles. Let's 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 uh, demonstrate in our interaction with the children themselves, like what it looks like to be people of repentance, people mm -hmm. of forgiveness, and people of mercy and kindness. Um, 
let's show our kids like let's let's demonstrate not just say we ought to read our bibles let's demonstrate bible reading mm-hmm. show our kids that we do it and, and prayer and, and those kind of things be authentically christian you know so it makes sense so that's the that's the first thing that he sort of identifies there yeah absolutely and it's something that honestly i've i've grown in from the perspective of I mean, you mentioned like Bible reading and um, for a while when Judah, my oldest was first born, um, I just, I wanted to have, and this is still like, ideally if my days would go the way I would want them, like I would want to have some time before Judah woke up to like have my quiet Bible reading time uninterrupted, (laughs) you know, um, where I could just soak it all in and know that I'm not going to be interrupted five million times. Oftentimes that tends not to be the case. And um, I find myself like having the Bible open on the kitchen table and getting interrupted a few times. But I say all that to say what I've come to see and realize is the beauty of me doing it when Judah is awake is he is observing and he's watching. And so That's many good. times is it's been really sweet. A lot of times he'll go get his little toddler Bible that he has in his room and he'll come up to the kitchen table and open up his Bible. Um, and mm. he'll have a little paper and like just scribble. And he, he doesn't, he's not necessarily aware of what he's doing. He knows that I'm mm. reading the Bible, but he's just mimicking what he sees. And mm. it's like, you know what? I would rather have this time be interrupted a million times and for him to be able to see that and start making those connections than to have my serene spiritual moment um yeah man that doesn't always get to happen but yeah that is that is so good yeah that is so good like yeah being christian before our children which doesn't mean being perfect uh, even when it's messy especially when it's messy and i think that's the important thing it's like especially when you make the mistake like model that repentance ask your kid for forgiveness they can still respect you um as somebody of authority in fact you'll probably earn more respect from them by mm. modeling that humility and repentance um for them so yeah huge That's good yeah well and then the the second thing kind of following from that and the one you've already mentioned is that um the other thread that they observed was uh, a parenting style that is um that takes kind of seriously the, the role of authority. And, and it is one, the way he said it, it uh, it's a parenting style that incorporates both clear boundaries and expectations and warmth. It's both a place of, you know, hey, we have standards and we have certain expectations about your behavior and certain things we're going to call you to, um, certain ways in which we expect you to live as part of this house, but it's one that's also warm and knows how to, uh, knows how to have fun and knows how to be silly and knows how to be, gracious and kind as well and reading this article from a christian perspective you know i read that i'm like it's not a coincidence that that is the best option you Mm, know it's not mm. a coincidence that it works out well to follow somebody who has both clear guidelines but Mm. lavishes in love and grace i wonder why because that's who god is (laughs) you know that's who that's who we follow and um God has very clear expectations for us and he demands obedience. But if and when we do fail, he um, is there to meet us with grace and forgiveness. Mm. And so that 
authoritative parenting style works well in modeling our faith to our kids because it's who it's who God is. Mm, that's so us. good. Yeah. Yeah, that is so good. Um my my daughter just came and sat in my lap and she's waving. No. Hey Ruthie I mean, girl. <laughs> Hi. So um, sweet. So uh, the third thread is um, a routine talking about the faith. And, and this is this is something that pairs well with uh, something we just unrolled this past Sunday. We gave out uh, copies of Don Whitney's family worship book. Uh, and we've, we've strongly encouraged our dads, particularly dads of, of young families, to uh, take ownership of family worship as one of those places where you can't establish a routine rhythm for talking about the faith. Of course, um, you know, the, the important thing here is that we're, we're doing it kind of as we're coming and going. You know, Deuteronomy 6 talks about instructing, you know, as you enter your house and as you leave your house, as you rise in the morning, as you go down at night, it's like taking advantage of every opportunity to just just kind of gospel chatter about Jesus. And mm. it, it's driving down the road and, and drawing your kids' attention to the leaves and say, hey, who do you think made those leaves? And what do you think it says about the God who made them, you know? It's that kind of thing, but 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 it, but also it is these kind of intentional um, times that we carve out as families to come together for things like family worship. So family worship is um, really helpfully summarized by Don Whitney. It's just reading, praying, and singing. Um, my family, we, we try and do it more evenings than we don't uh, at the dinner table. We just read a little passage, a little selection of scripture, um, rough excuse me, reflect on it for just a moment and then sing a chorus and pray in response to that passage. And the hope there is that it's one of those kind of uh, routine places where we come together and we just talk about who God is. And, and the, the hope is that the cumulative effect of this kind of gospel chattering and family worship and, and those little interactions like you have with Judah at the, uh, at the breakfast table, the, the hope is, is that the cumulative effect of all of this is what ultimately the Lord uses to change their hearts, you know, recognizing that, you know, most of the time magic doesn't, lightning doesn't strike in those moments, you know, it's, mm. it's most of the time, <laughs> you know, you don't arrive at profound insights. It usually ends with like somebody farting um, or somebody fist fighting or whatever. Um, but, you know, the hope is that kind of through this routine chatter about the faith that, that we see the Lord use that to, to sow seeds. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it comes back to like, this is something that we want to be about. Like if parenting weren't even in the equation, you know, it's like, we want to not just do our faith. We want to be our faith. We're not just people who do the Christian thing. We are people of, of Christ. Like it is who we are. It's not just what we do. That's really good. Uh, um, and so but even more so with kids because they are watching and it's such every moment is a learning opportunity. Um, but to have, yeah, those um, specific times carved out for your family to include that in your rhythm. So it's not an awkward thing. If your kid has questions about their faith, you know, it's like, Oh wait, what category do you put that in? Because we're not at church. So, you know, it's like, that way, whenever they, when, and they will start having questions about their faith. It's like, there's, there's already an environment where like talking mm. about our faith, doing our faith, it's, it's natural. It's what we do. So bring us your questions, bring us your doubts. Let's talk about, let's what you're learning. Let's talk about, you know, um, all these things that really sets the foundation of, um, 
of an environment where as your kid grows, it'll help them along their faith for many, many years. Mm. Um, seeing that and being a part of that. Mm. That's really good. I love the point you just made about, I mean, this is, this is in essence, uh, well, it's easy to see how this is sort of linked with that first point about just being Christian. Like this is just mm-hmm. hopefully who we are. This is the air we breathe. We talk about God and what he's done for us and what he's doing for us and who Christ is for us. And it's just a matter of, uh, routinely and uh, intentionally roping our children into that and trying to mm-hmm. kind of include them and discuss these things at a level where they can where they can engage That's and good. just a note there it's like oftentimes you know we also want to be people about hospitality and having people in our homes and having people over for dinner um, and for a while we used to be like okay we're having so-and-so over we won't do family worship tonight but it's like that even of itself is a missed opportunity to welcome other families um, into this act of talking about Jesus, whether they know Jesus or not. It's like, if they don't, <laughs> we definitely want them to see like, um, and to have a gateway to talk about, you know, this is what we do in our home regularly with our kids. Feel free to, you know, join this conversation if you'd like, or just observe. But also with if you have families over who you are in community with um who we go to church with who we hope are already shaping our child along with us um invite them in as well so that your your kids can see hey these are people that i know go to our church that i trust they're on our team they're part of us like knowing jesus together and loving jesus together and so um i would just just another encouragement. Like if you have people in your home, invite them into that rhythm with you at the dinner table. Love that. That that is really good. Something we uh, yeah, something we have, have incorporated lately that's been that's been fun. And uh, we've we've done this as we've had people over a time or two. Is we discuss blessings uh, blessings and bummers from the day. Mm-hmm. And we just go around the table and say like, what what's a blessing from today you want you want to thank God for, and then what's a bummer. Um, and it's just been fun and it's created good discussions and it kind of, kind of gives you a little window into your, into the little souls there that are at the table. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I love that. And uh, so, you know, maybe that's even, that, that could even, it's, it's even sort of helps like think about, all right, what, what passage do I want to read? Um, you know, maybe one of them says something about, maybe there's something that was disappointing and it reminds me about something about a passage in Ecclesiastes and say, let's, mm. let's like see what the scriptures have to say about that particularly mm. disappointing thing, you know? So mm. Are your kids writhing in the toil that they have to, <laughs> the work of their hands each day? <laughs> or yeah, is that I'll, just a shameless plug? <laughs> always pay for your dad. Yeah. No, we've, we've, uh, yeah, we've not yet gotten there. Eventually we'll get there soon. We'll get there soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the last thing, and I thought this was really helpful because it, it does seem like, um, you know, when it comes to like the discussions around family ministries, it does seem like you sort of, have these two pools that are often presented as being at odds. So you can have the pool that's like parents are the primary disciple makers. Therefore churches should not do any kind of programming uh, for kids or for students or whatever. And then you can have a pool in the opposite direction. That's like uh, that almost overdoes it or overcorrects from that sort of family ministry exclusive model. And I just appreciated that you had both of these here. And he acknowledges mm-hmm. both that parents are the ones who are primarily responsible and that it's also important for us to have these places or uh, these little pockets in our church, we might say, that our children are given the opportunity to internalize the faith. 
um, the, the channeling for internalization, as he says it. It's, it's these contexts for our kids to make their faith their own by forming relationships both with peers and, as, as we've said at TCGS, these aunt and uncles in the faith. Um, yeah. And so that was, that was very helpful for me to read mm-hmm. that um, as, as one who's frankly kind of bounced back and forth between the two extremes. It's, it's been helpful to, uh, it was helpful to read that and see, see like, no, like this all sort of works together uh, mm-hmm. to serve one another. The, 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 the family is a part of the church and the church serves and supports the work of family. Yeah. And the way he, um, just to put words to this, where this term we keep using channeling, he defines it as channeling means subtly nudging, introducing, and steering children in the right religious direction. Good channeling is purposeful and even strategic, but not controlling or overbearing. So he even points out that there's this this balance that has to occur um, between, I mean, in our context, the home and the church. Um, and absolutely the church has a place. I mean, <laughs> obviously I'm very biased as the kids ministry director, um, but also recognizing, and honestly, quite frankly, it kind of provides some um, relief for my job. Cause it's like the souls of these kids, like where I am called to, I mean, even with parenting too, it's like, we are responsible for, teaching and introducing them kind of like he said introducing them and steering them in the right direction but the stake isn't on me (laughs) you know and so um and we've talked about a lot of times in our just in our church culture with our kids ministries like we don't want it to be like you've used the idea a lot like piano practice where we just drop them off and just cross our fingers and hope that they learn enough in their class at church to get them by um because parents have the most amount of time with their kids. <laughs> and even in the classes we do provide during our gatherings, it's like, we only have them for an hour a week. That's only 52 hours. If you're there every Sunday, <laughs> that's only 52 hours of the entire year um, where we are being as intentional as we um, possibly can. And we pray and we hope that seeds are being planted. But boy, the in comparison the time that parents have um to the church to plant more seeds and water and um it's definitely a team effort and but it's encouraging to see I always want to mention this when talking about um this topic particularly in our church context seeing the kids and being in those classroom environments at our church it's always so encouraging to see kids coming into class who have environments at home where this stuff is not foreign to them. And I am, mm. obviously there's always areas we can grow. There's always, um, I know every parent would probably agree, like there's an area in their discipleship of their children that they want to grow in. Um, but all in all, I've been so encouraged by our parents and how they really, for the most part, take this responsibility seriously and um, are training their kids up in the ways of the Lord and are being faithful to that. And just the little evidences that I've seen of that in the kids um, in our church and the classrooms, that type of thing. That's like, oh, you're, this is good. <laughs> like your parents are, they're they're doing their job um, and it makes doing our job even better because we're just able to supplement what they're already mm. 
already hearing and learning at home. Mm. Sorry, that was kind of a ramble. I knew I was no, going to ramble great. on that point, but <laughs> no, that's so <laughs> kind good. of inevitable. No, that's so good. Yeah. Um, and our, and of course the, the kids ministry volunteers at, at our church are just outstanding and oh work gosh. really hard and, and you do a great job and work really hard to make sure that all the pieces are in place there to support the work of the families. Um, and even like outside of that, also a call. It's like, if you don't volunteer in our kids ministry, like you are still a vital role in yeah. um, shaping and investing in our kids' lives. So if you're a part of a community group that has kids in it, which most likely all of them <laughs> um, have kids in them, it's like even at community group, like if you are having an intentional conversation of just asking the child how they're doing, um, and he even mentions it, it's like somebody in the article um the people that you're trying to, um, okay, this is, it. yeah, here it is. Um, the most important of these channeling influences is the presence of non-family adults and religious congregations who know the children well and can engage them and talk on serious topics beyond superficial chit chat. So like great environment to start facilitating that as that community group. So just know like if you're hearing this and it's like, oh, I'm not a kids volunteer, I'm kind of off the hook on on that. It's like, no, we need you. We need mm. you to also come alongside and be a part of the village that mm. is investing and pouring into this next generation. Mm. That's right on. I think about there, there's a guy named Steve uh in my life who uh he taught yeah I've known him my whole life. I don't even remember not knowing Steve, uh, but he was he was a um, a member of my home church, and he taught me. And goodness, I want to say maybe ninth, tenth grade uh, youth group Sunday school, and he came to football games. And um, you know, when I was playing C team and JV football and playing varsity mm. football, he came to all those games. And you know, he uh, he and he and his family would eat with my family after church. And he, he just became one of those like uncles in the faith that was just kind of there and was around and was reinforcing the, the values that my parents were seeking to instill and, you know, speaking into, you know, a variety of different issues in, in my uh-huh. life. And, uh, I remember having very frank conversations with him about some stuff and, and it was, it was just great. I mean, and, and he, you know, I, I doubt he remembers much of those interactions, but but he was there and he was faithful and he was consistent and uh, you know thankful for that. And so I think That's it is so a uh, uh, and he's one of I could I could name five or six other men you know who, yeah. who were similar uh, doing that kind of thing in my life. So I'm grateful for a uh, grateful for the the church experience I had growing up, and and certainly grateful for my parents and the the mm-hmm. legacy of faith that they've that they left behind and. Uh, yeah, so, you know, in, in talking about this article, we're hopeful that it encourages you, parents. We hope that it is, uh, I hope it challenges you to, mm. uh, to to press into some of those rhythms like family worship. Um, we hope it's an encouragement to you, just church member, even if you're not a parent, an encouragement to you to uh, take advantage of those small opportunities you have when one of my kids comes and like runs and punches you in the leg or whatever like that's a small opportunity to go exercise your your uh uh privilege as a as an aunt or uncle in the faith and uh tell them to cut that out so, um, <laughs> well and I think just one more thing I would love to mention in this is whether you are a parent or um you know an aunt and uncle in the faith 
if we only see these opportunities as ways to grow our kids, I think we're missing half of it because so much of this is also part of our sanctification. Hmm. Like parents, like we want to be faithful to disciple our kids. Yes. So that they will grow to know and love Jesus, but also (laughs) the growth that it's going to bring about in you and your faith is not lost. Like, I don't think it's coincidental, (laughs) you know, um, the Lord is just as much wanting to grow you and your faith and your dependency on him, um, as he is your, your children. And so don't miss that either, that, um, it's not just about making sure your kids, (laughs) you know, get it. It's like, we want, we want to get it. We want to, and that's part of, I think, the so beautiful that he talks about like just genuinely living out your faith is that in doing that it's like (laughs) you and your kids you're gonna sanctify each other just like in your marriage you know um you're you and your spouse you iron sharpens iron um but how parenting specifically like it provides such a beautiful context to understand the gospel deeper and richer to understand God's grace for us and his forgiveness that he offers us the many many times that we fail so as we are tempted to just snap at our kids or not show them grace it's like that's part of your sanctification and learning like no this is this is a fruit needing to be produced in your life as well as your kids so don't miss that that your faith is being grown and you're learning. Um, so it's worth it. It's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> and that's good. That is so good. Right on. Well, Hannah, thanks for carving out some time to talk through this article. Yeah, and, it was fun. Reading it and giving us your thoughts. Um, yeah, so uh, the name of the article, again, is Keeping the Faith by Christian Smith. Uh, it's on First Things, uh, firstthings.com, the online journal. Uh, if you're interested in going and checking it out. And um, if you are a dad listening, you've not yet gotten your book, be sure to grab one of the elders and we will, we will get, your, uh, get your copy to you. And uh, yeah, with that, blessings. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, hope that I uh, hope you're encouraged in the task of parenting. And once again, Hale, thank you for hopping up. Yeah, it's good chat. Talk to you later.